Welcome back, guys. This is episode six of the Club Divin Roadmap series. And today we're going to be talking about the future of Club Divin. So our upcoming ideas, plans, inspirations. The most important thing for me is for us to talk about, like, we spend a lot of time talking about the club. We spend a lot of time talking about digital corks and tasting tokens. What I think we should talk about is why? Like, why are we doing all this? What's the end goal? What's the long-term goal? We say a lot of, we say all the time, I think on the website, we say, you know, the wine industry's worked the same way for a thousand years and we want to build the platform for the next thousand. So what does that have to do with these little NFTs that we do? Like, why <laughs> is that the future of the wine industry? And like, what does it do? But I think for the sure. main thing is, what can the blockchain do for winemakers and wine lovers that will, as we say, connect winemakers and wine lovers? How can the blockchain do that? And then why is it important? Like, why does that help winemakers? Why does it help wine lovers? Why is it a cool thing? Great. Okay. So before we get into it, we'll do our introductions for those of you who don't know us already. My name is Jana Kryline. I am a wine communicator, WSET diploma holder. Uh, you might know me as the wine girl on Instagram. I've done a couple TV projects with Aldo Somm in Austria. And yeah, mostly just traveling the world, drinking wine and hanging out with Dave. Dave is a founder of Club Divin. Dave, I'll let you introduce yourself. Dave's cool. He does all kinds of really interesting wine media projects, books, podcasts, really, really cool stuff. So go ahead, Dave. Tell us all about you. Sure. So I'm Dave Garrett. I was an ex-tech guy, but I've been in the wine industry for a long time, for 20 years. First in Argentina. I spent almost 10 years there building a big winery project, vineyard, resort, spa, Francis Mallman restaurant really cool destination resort in the Uco Valley in Mendoza. Then spent a couple of years in Hong Kong working on some on a wine tech project. And for the last uh, 10 years or so, I've been here in Barcelona working on a project in the Priorat and then doing a bunch of kind of really cool wine media projects. I've got a published a couple of books and a podcast series, now working on a couple of different television shows, one of them called Crush, which is uh, profiles up and coming cult winemakers from around the world. Another one called Rosé All Day, which is yes, kind of I a saw fun the trailer. wine. Yeah, it's a fun wine tourism, like going out and tasting like wine tasting, wine tourism, wine hospitality show. And then we've got another kind of interesting project coming up. Actually, we're going to be in Burgundy next week filming just the very beginnings of a very kind of a secret project that we can't really talk about yet. But it's going to be super fun. So if we're a little bit off the grid next week, it's because we're off filming in Burgundy, which is going to be really fun. So maybe we'll post some teaser photos on social media, but uh, you'll all hear a lot more about it over time. But uh, in the short run, it's pretty exciting. Dave, I'm the wine girl. I'm, there's no way that I'm going to Burgundy with you and the team and that I'm not going to be posting some stuff on social media. So yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. you know, keep an eye Fair on the enough. Club Divin account. Keep an eye on my account. It'll be a little. We'll tease it out a little but not too much info. This is top secret, top secret mission. I like it. it is. All right, cool. So let's start by talking about what Club Divin is kind of in a nutshell, and then we can kind of get into future plans and why we do what we do. What do you think? Sound good? Sure. So, well, Club Divin is the club element, a company venture called Divin. Club Divin is our as everybody, a lot of people know, or if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we have an NFT community that's called Club Divin, which is a an NFT token gated community that provides some really cool, really cool and really fun benefits to our members. But all of that is built on Divin's underlying technology. 
I was talking to somebody the other day. It was kind of funny. And this is probably terrible marketing for me to admit on our podcast. But when they said, like, what's the difference between Club Divin and Divin? What I said was, well, what Divin is creating is the technology stack for wineries to connect with wine lovers for the future. Like, we think that if we do this thing right, that every luxury winery on the planet should use this technology to quickly and easily connect with their consumers to offer them rewards and status and incentives and create community around their brands. And what Club Divin is, is it's an opportunity for people to pay to be guinea pigs and probably (laughs) suffer through all of our initial mistakes. That sounds horrible, but it really is true. I mean, the truth is Club Divin is early adopters. It's the people that are brave and I'm going to like frame them as Christopher Columbus, right? Like are willing to brave these kind of uncharted new waters and understand that things are going to be rocky at times. And sometimes things aren't going to work. And sometimes things are going to be a little bit choppy, but in the end, they're going to be the first people that set foot in the new world. And that's really what we're doing with Club Divin. It's a very small group where we only have 5,000 total members. There will only ever be 5,000 members, but those 5,000 members are going to be the first people to have wines with digital corks. They're going to be the first people to mint tasting tokens. They're the first people that are going to share tasting tokens with their friends and family. They're the first people that are going to be able to kind of redeem all of the rewards and incentives that we're getting from winemakers. And so they're going to kind of help us troubleshoot and test out our platform. They're going to tell us what works and what doesn't. They're going to tell us what they hate and what they love and what they wish we did. And based on that, we're going to build out amazing technology features and a technology stack so that when we turn it on with the winemakers, they get it and they're getting something that not only has been thoroughly tested by kind of the early adopter wine lovers, but something that is a good product market fit. We can assure them that the wine lovers have kind of gotten a chance to bang on this and they love it. And we're going to give the winemakers the best of the best. So yeah, hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully that makes some people say, I don't want to be a member because I'm not an early adopter and I don't like it when things don't work and I don't want to do that. And it makes a bunch of other people say, I want to be the first person to put my boots in the new world. And I want to, I like uh, that. I'm, I'm willing to like- have the choppy steed, but I want to see that. I like the Explorer reference there. Christopher Columbus thing. That's great. Yeah, I guess, that's a really good way to put it. So I'm going to summarize that a little bit. Club Divin then is the private club and Divin is the platform. So Divin is a premium platform for NFTs and wine. Okay, let's talk about the wineries. So, you know, you're saying we're bringing on members, we're doing cool events all over the world. We're giving our members benefits basically to buy some of the most hard to find wines on the planet for 10, 20, 30% cheaper than you'd find them anywhere sourced with perfect provenance directly from the wineries. That's one of the big member benefits of joining the club. But these wineries that we're working with, what we've done at Divin is we've actually started pilot program. We started it last year and we did our first install. Dave was in Porto to do the first install a couple of weeks ago with the oldest winery in the world, Grams. But Dave, do you want to talk a little bit more about our plans to on board wineries and you have a two-year waiting list right now of wineries that want to work with us. So why don't you give us some insight? How's that going to run? Sure. So our expectation is that we'll onboard about 25 wineries this year to a month, which is actually going to be more than two a month because we're really just gearing up now. When we onboard wineries, I'll give you the example of Graham's. It's a really, really good example. So 
Grams is they have a really cool re-release that they're doing. They're releasing the 1970 port, which is a 50-year-old vintage port, one of their best vintages of the last hundred years. And they're releasing it in a two-bottle case with the 2020. So a 50-year-old, let's say 53-year-old vintage and a three-year-old vintage, right? So the most recent, so those two vintages are separated by 50 years. And obviously there's something fun that you can do with that. You can taste the 50-year-old vintage and the new vintage and see what the differences are and compare and contrast. Or you can taste the, you know, the 1950 today with your children, and then your children can taste the 2020 50 years from now with your grandchildren or, or their grandchildren, right? Like, it's kind of a cool experience. And I think it's a really interesting initiative by Grams. Now, this two-bottle case is only going to be available in their cave at Graham's Lodge, which is their kind of uh, hospitality, very cool winery and that has great hospitality in Porto. And if you haven't been there, you should go. It's beautiful. It tells kind of the whole history of Port and the whole history of Graham's, which is like 250 years old. If you walk through the winery, you can see barrels going back. I think there are some barrels going back well over 100 years, 150 years. It's really, really interesting. And you can learn a lot and obviously taste good port. And then they've got a fantastic restaurant on the premises where you can have a great meal and taste any of the Symington wines and kind of look out over the city of port and the Portugal. So it's really, really wonderful experience. I've been there. Have you been to Graham's Lodge? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I mean, Porto and Douro Valley are my, that's my favorite place to go. And when we're talking about wine destinations, made the biggest impression on me of anywhere else. And I've been, I've been around, so. Well, the Duro Valley is, you know, pretty similar to Prira. A lot of similarities, very steep, very, you know, kind of a lot of different aspects to the sun, a lot of different elevations, just a ton of little tiny microclimates in one little area and obviously very difficult farming that produces fantastic wines. Have you tasted any, any of the new Duros in the last, uh, the last three or four releases? They're young. Man, I have a case of six wines from the Douro that was sent to me. This is terrible. People just send me wine. What a curse. People just send me wine and want yeah, me to sample it. Life. But there's a box there that is like, I've been eyeing it, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So that'll be my homework for next week when I'm back from France. <laughs> Tough life, Jen. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell hard. you, I'm a big fan of the Douros. They're really fantastic. They're showing amazing. Okay. So this two bottle Wineries. case. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The two bottle case that's being released at Graham's is only being sold in the cave. So you can only get it if you actually go to Graham's Lodge and go through their, you know, go do the tour of the winery and the tasting. And so you go through that process and then you can, then you're allowed to purchase the, this two bottle case. The two bottle case costs 800. I think they're going to charge 800 or 850 euros for it. So All it's right. pretty expensive, but you know, it's a 50 year old bottle. So you can kind of, uh, it sort of makes sense. I think it more than makes sense. If you taste the wine, it's probably a, a bargain. It's a steal. But what's interesting about it is they're attaching digital corks to both bottles. So when you go and you do this experience, the first thing that you can do is in their tasting room, there will be a QR code that you can scan. That's a DV QR code where you can claim a tasting token for the tasting experience at Graham's Lodge, right? So that's the first step. So you go through the tasting experience, you can get a tasting token for that. Then if you purchase that two bottle case, you get those two digital corks are dropped in your wallet. And the other thing that you get dropped in your wallet is a token that gives you access, that gives you lunch at that beautiful restaurant at 
Graham's launch. So let's say you do your tasting in the morning, you finish it, you buy the two bottle case, you immediately get this token, this reward that gives you access to have this beautiful lunch at this, I think it's a one-star Michelin restaurant. That's part of the winery. Yeah. It's beautiful. I had lunch there with the Simington family a few weeks ago, and it was fantastic. But here's where the cool part is. You take that box, you can actually do two things. One is you can leave the box at the winery for, I think, up to 10 years. They'll let you leave the box at the winery. And then when you want to have it shipped, you can have it shipped. If you decide five years from now that you don't want that box anymore, you can actually sell the NFTs to somebody else and then they can have it shipped. So that's kind of cool. Like it becomes an asset that's sitting at in the Graham's Lodge winery. When you have the bottles at home, though, let's say at some point you decide that you want to open that 1970 port. Well, you can open that bottle, share it with some friends, and everyone that you pour that glass for, that glass of beautiful 1970 port for, you can give them a tasting token. And we've shown kind of how easy that is. We're actually building some really cool tutorials for our website where you can see how simple it is to do. But what's really fun about that is everybody that gets one of those tasting tokens for that 1970 port instantly gets access to do a free tasting back at Graham's Lodge. So that normally right. costs about 125 euros. So yeah. just by opening the bottle at home and pouring it for family and friends, you're giving them like a $125 gift certificate at Graham's Lodge. Very cool. Very, very right? cool. Okay. I mean, I think that's amazing. So that's an example then how when we work with winemakers and when we not only attach digital corks to physical bottles and things like this, what we're actually doing is opening up the opportunity for a winemaker to incentivize their truest fans, right? So, and they can that's do that right. however they want. So imagine, like, here's the interesting thing about this. So there's a bunch of cool elements to it. Element number one, by incentivizing, and this is a pretty big incentive, right? You get up to 12 tasting tokens for every bottle. Each tasting token is worth 125 euros. So when you open that bottle of wine, you're giving out, even though you spent 800 euros on the two bottle pack, you're getting actually for each bottle. So it's 20, you get tasting tokens for both bottles. So yeah. For across all of that, that's 24 tasting tokens. Each tasting token is worth 125 euros right. at the winery. So that's like a four thirty two hundred euro value just for right. opening the bottles, oh right? So it's a huge amount of value that you're providing. And like, what a cool thing, right? I'm opening this bottle for you. Not only am I sharing with you the experience of tasting a 50-year-old vintage port, which is kind of cool. But I'm also giving you a gift certificate to go visit the winery, $125 gift certificate to go visit the winery and have a tasting experience there. So how does that work? So I show up then to Graham's and I show my tasting token and that gets me my tasting. Is it? Is that that's exactly right. It, it's just that simple. It's right in the account. You can go in and actually that's a thing that we will do a demo for that on the website. But once mm -hmm. you go in, it's a very quick, easy thing. You go into your website on the app on your phone. Mm -hmm. You click through to your account. There's a little QR code. They'll scan that QR code and they'll say, oh, you get access. You get it for free. And so that's right. how easy it is. Super simple. So they could they just show cool. their tasting token and they get access. Pretty cool. Wow. Pretty cool. So that's really fun. And it kind of creates this cool flywheel, right? Like you go to the winery. You have this great experience you get these great wines, then you go home to your friends, you get you pour a glass for your friends. Now they can go to the winery, 
maybe then they'll buy the wine and then they'll go home and open the glass for their friends. And then their friends will come to the winery. So like it creates a really cool flywheel effect for the winery. And really importantly, that flywheel is the best kind of word of mouth, right? It's like, yeah, I'm in love with this wine. I love this winery. I want you to be in love with it too. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to go to that winery and have a cool experience and then be able to buy this bottle that's incredibly rare and incredibly hard to find. So that's one, okay. right? That's thing number that's one. That's one winery as well. Also. Well, no, that's just one element of it. So let me talk about the second yeah. element, which is also very cool. So I believe there are only, I'm going to need to do the math on this, but I think that there are only a hundred of these bottles that they're going to re-release. I think they only have a hundred of the 1970 bottles, right? So after they sell them all, there will be a hundred out there in the world. And then when I open my bottle and open it, it will burn that token and tell everyone, right? It will tell the winery, it will tell Devin, and it will tell the whole world that now there's one less of those 1970 vintage port bottles out there. Right, right. And then when you open your bottle, there will be 98. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, Badad opens his bottle, there will be 97. And so as there are fewer and fewer of those bottles available, like, you know, let's say I have two of them, my second bottle is going to be worth more because that scarcity is actually tracked on the blockchain. And pretty soon you'll get down to five bottles, but there are two bottles. Talk about market transparency, Dave. Brilliant. This doesn't exist in the wine world today. Think if you had that with like the 1982 Petrus or... The 1999 Corton Charlemagne or the 1996 Chateau Margaux. Like mm-hmm. if you knew exactly how many bottles were left in the world, that would, you would really be able to know how much your bottle is worth. Yeah. And it would add a really interesting element to the secondary market. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So that's right. thing number two. Let me talk about are? thing number three. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I'm only going to do three. But there's probably a lot more. I was going to say, there's more. Well, actually, I'm going to do four. Okay. (laughs) So the third is data. Yeah. So imagine the winemaker now. So this hundred bottles is probably insignificant. But let's say they decided to tokenize their entire 2022 vintage, right? All of the vintage ports for 2022. Well, as those bottles are either opened or traded in the aftermarket as something happens to those bottles, they'll get to see that on a map, right? They'll get to see that in real time. And so now the winery knows, oh, this bottle got traded to this person and this bottle got traded to this person at this price. So they'll get to see kind of what the secondary market looks like. Right now, there's no data available for that. This will provide data for the secondary market for the winery. But just as importantly, or maybe more importantly, they'll get to see when the bottles are being opened. They'll get to see how many people, like on average, are tasting. How many people are you sharing that bottle with when you open it? Because they don't have any idea right now. No idea. They have no idea. Like when I open a bottle of vintage port, am I sharing that with three other people? Am I sharing that with Mm -hmm. 10 other people? Am I usually waiting five years before I open my vintage port or 15 years before I open my vintage port? They don't know. And because they don't know, it really makes it, less difficult for them to not only make marketing decisions, but even to a certain extent, making product decisions. If they knew that people were 
waiting 15, 20 years to open the vintage port, they might make different decisions while in the vineyard, different decisions in the winery, different decisions in packaging, different decisions in marketing when they're opening one. And so having that data, right now they have no data. They just have no information. They don't know where their wines are going. They don't know who's opening them. They don't know when. They don't know who's tasting them. This gives them that data. And that data, if as any you know, business person knows, data is what runs your business. And wine is one of the few industries in the world where there's almost no data, especially in the luxury. There's really almost zero data. Okay, so we're talking about really empowering winemakers, right? Playing the long game here, right? Especially if you're talking about attaching digital corks to bottles, where in the future, if it's investment grade wines and rare and collectible wines, all of those new releases, people aren't going to be opening them right away. So at Deven, what we do is source wines for our wine drops, part of our member benefits. We're often looking for old rare library releases so that the winemaker gets some data now. And that's why this thing at Graham's is so cool because there's one old bottle it's and one new one bottle. Of each. So you have both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so problem solving for winemakers. So we've got connecting the winemaker with the end consumer, answering yeah. all of those, you know, filling in all the blanks, answering all those questions about how many times has the wine traded on the secondary market? You know, how long are people waiting to open the bottles? How many people are they drinking them with? A lot of blanks being filled there. But then the other thing is that we haven't talked about this time, and we've touched on it in a few other episodes, is the value that the winemaker at the moment doesn't get to participate in on the secondary market. And that comes with sure. royalties, right? So yeah. that's another problem yeah, yeah, yeah. that we're solving it at Deven. The NFTs, I mean, that's not a Deven idea, but the royalty thing is huge for winemakers to be able to participate in that value. Sure. And so that's actually five. Now you've expanded it to five things because I still have one more. <laughs> so four really is royalties. So the way royalties work, it's really simple. An NFT is a smart contract, which means it's a piece of software that sits on the blockchain. And you can determine as part of that contract, you know, all of the, anything having to do with any transaction. So you can predetermine how any transaction will work and you can create the rules for that. And what happens with a lot of artists, for example, on the blockchain is they set a rule where anytime there's a trade in the secondary market, the artist gets a share of that trade. It's a royalty which is a pretty interesting way for artists to be able to participate in the value creation in the secondary market, which is exactly what we're doing for wineries. So as these wines trade in the secondary market in the smart contract, it allows the winemaker to set a royalty and they can set it at 2% if they want, or they can set it at 10%. And the royalty, I think that the royalty actually does two things. One, it lets them participate in that value, right? So automatically, a transaction happens and they get a piece of the transaction. So they get a royalty or a commission from that secondary market trade, which really incentivizes the winemaker to create a lot of value in the secondary market. It gives them a lot more incentive to have more scarcity. It puts them on the same side as the wine collector. Like, mm -hmm. so their interests are all aligned, which is really nice and important. And it also get, lets them participate in that value creation, right? Like, you know, up until today, the winery, you know, they sell the wine at X dollars. If 20 years from now, it's selling at 10 X dollars, the winery gets no piece of that. And this right. really allows the winery to participate. But the second thing it does is it creates a dial for the winemaker to have like almost an invisible hand in the secondary market. So think about it like this. 
if a winemaker wanted to encourage secondary trades, they want to encourage people to, you know, speculate on their bottles or to trade their bottles in the secondary market, then they could set their royalty very low, zero or 1% or one and a half percent. But if a winemaker really wants to encourage consumption and wants to discourage speculation and discourage people from trading in the secondary market, they could set their royalty rate very high. So they could set it at 8% or 10% or 15%. In which case, you know, if you're a speculator and the winemaker is taking 15% every trade, that's probably not a wine you're going to want to speculate with, right? Because it would have to move significantly more in order for you to, you know, get the kind of returns that you want to get as a speculator. So it kind of clears all of the speculators out of the market and really leaves the market for wine lovers. And there are lots of winemakers that want to do that. And so this is a tool that makes it really easy for winemakers to turn that dial up or down, depending on what on their individual motives in the marketplace. Right. Interesting. Okay. All right. And you're saying that Devin is planning on bringing two wineries onto the platform per month for the next year, right? Yes. In the next couple of years. Let me actually mention that we had a fifth thing and I wanted to talk oh, about the fifth thing. I thought we did five a, and you're breaking them all into four. other things. There's a lot of things. Royalty was four, right? Yeah. <laughs> True. Was four. Roy Number five, Maybe this is and this is something that we actually don't talk about that much, but it's something that we really need to talk about more. Number five is community. And I find community to be really important. Like, Finding people that share your interests, that's kind of part of what the internet is about, right? Being able to find people that love the same things that you do, whether it's the same true crime podcast or the same brand of gluten-free pasta or whatever it is, like building yeah. community around people that love the same thing or enjoy the same things. I think that's actually really, to me, that adds to the experience of wine. You know, when I... Like I have some pretty obscure wineries, like tiny, actually most of the wines that I love are tiny, obscure wineries, right? Whether it's in California or Argentina or wherever. And when I see somebody else posting a bottle from, you know, Lina Colola from Paso Robles or Blackbird from Napa or Acheval Ferrar from Argentina or you know, any of these other little tiny wineries that most people don't know of. And you only know, like if you only know, if you know, Yeah, I always feel like a sense of, you know, camaraderie with that person. Like, oh, wow, they know the same winemaker. They've had that same experience. They love that wine. What this really allows winemakers to do is to create a community around their best fans, right? Around their most fans. excited and most engaged fans. And so imagine having a newsletter or a chat room or an event series. Like imagine having like a, a fan club that could run itself. But in order to get in that fan club, you needed to have five tasting tokens from the winemaker. Like right. how cool would that be? And that's something that not only the winemaker can do, but anybody can do. Like you could do that. Any one of you could do that today. Like any, you know, even club member could say, I'm going to create the fan club for Acheval Ferrar, which is, he's like the, an old friend and the highest rated winemaker in Argentine history. So I want to create a, a fan club for Acheval Ferrar and anybody that has five tasting tokens for Acheval Ferrar can join. 
like all of a sudden now you have an authentic community built of people that you know have had the same experiences and have tried the same things and love the same like very small thing. And they can create events around it. They can create whatever they want around yeah. that community. And I think for winemakers to be able to create that and even for their fans to be able to create that, I think that's super interesting. And it just couldn't exist without the platform that we're building. Right. And actually... We talked in, in episode two, we did kind of a deep dive into how to earn rewards with tasting tokens. And we talked a lot about loyalty and Dave's talking right now about community and being able to build those communities with your truest fans or build a community around your truest fans and connect to those people directly, which is never, you know, that's never happened in the history of the wine industry before. So very exciting. But the opportunities that Web3 brings around the entire loyalty system is just incredible. The possibilities are endless. I mean, you can token gate experiences. If you have the tasting token, you get in or you don't. And yet it's pretty cool to think about all the things that we're going to be able to do with those tokens. And also a million things that we haven't thought of yet, right? There's, and yeah. a million things that the tools don't even exist for yet. So yeah, I think there's really kind of unlimited possibility. So we're super sure. excited about it. Amazing. So we talked about bringing wineries onto the platform in our pilot program, but there's another part of the pilot program that we haven't talked about yet. And I mean, we not in this episode, at least. We are also working with retailers, wine bars and restaurants. So we're bringing them on as part of our pilot program. And what's really cool about that is that there are existing communities there as well, right? So if we start working with a wine bar in Germany, for example, we're going to be able to tokenize their events and also build community with the fans of the wine bar, but then also directly with the wine bar's favorite wineries. And so it's kind of the ripple effect that comes through that as well, which is really exciting. So incentivizing Super. community members. Yeah. Okay. So do you have anything else that you want to go into about pilot program or should we move on? Well, I mean, I just, what I wanted to say about that is this. So we're moving at the speed of wine. So I think when we first started, we were kind of moving at the speed of Web3, which is very, very fast. And yeah. that, I think, got us to critical mass in terms of both consumers really understanding what we're trying to do. It really got us to figure out the product market fit, got us our first 500 members and got us a ton of wineries. I mean, I still get incoming from wineries literally you know, three or four a week are writing saying, hey, how can we get on the waiting list for the pilot program? Our long-term goal really is to be ubiquitous in luxury wine. And, you know, I know if you're listening to this, you probably have at least heard, you know, one of the other wine and NFT or wine and Web3 projects. There are lots of them out there. We really tend to distinguish ourselves from all of the other ones by saying there may be someone that we want to compete with in the future. But for right now, we're not really interested in building a big consumer brand. We're not really interested in building a big, you know, Divin branded marketplace. And in fact, five years from now, my hope is that, you know, what we do is connect winemakers and wine lovers. Nobody even knows that we're there, right? We're just connecting them. We're in the background. We're a platform like Stripe. If you buy something from most e-commerce providers, I think Stripe has like a 60, 70% penetration in e-commerce. You're probably using Stripe. You know, whether or not you know it or not, you're probably using Stripe or you're interacting with Stripe. Stripe is a, is a payment processing platform that really sits in between like e-commerce software and, you know, e-commerce companies. It's a very thin layer and they don't charge very much. They charge a very small amount, but they're part of every transaction. And it makes it really easy for them to, they have lots of data. They work with everybody. And we 
I think really want to do the same thing. In the long run, we want to be that little thin layer that works with everyone. And that means if you've read about or seen another wine and web three company, or if you work for another wine and web three company, we probably want to work with you. And we can't. We've talked to most of the other players. We will continue talking to everyone that kind of enters the space. We want to be we're not interested in building a, a big consumer brand. We're not interested in taking, you know, big rents or a huge part of the market. We want to power the whole industry. And we're happy to take a little tiny piece and a little be a very narrow provider, but we want to be there for everybody. And what that does is it creates a really interesting way for the industry to move more fluidly. It really does, I think. It kind of lubricates the industry in general because you're really providing all of that connective tissue. And again, that's really what we want to do is be that very thin layer provider, but, right. but completely ubiquitous. Wow. And how long do you think it's going to take for the industry to adopt this? I mean, obviously we are seeing a lot of incoming from wineries, but there's going to be a difference between when winemakers start adopting it and when consumers start to feel really comfortable with adopting these new behaviors and really engaging or interacting with NFTs and getting used to the blockchain at all. How long do you think it's going to take? So I make a lot of comparisons with airline miles. And I don't know if I've done this mm -hmm. on the podcast yet, but that, that so. comparison, it's really interesting. If you look back 50 years ago, there was no such thing as airline miles. That happened maybe 30 years ago. It really started in sort of the mid 90s where you could start collecting in order to collect your miles. And, and this is honestly got true. I used to do it where you'd take a flight and after you got home from your flight, you would take your boarding pass and you would put it in an envelope and write an address for the airline on the envelope and lick a stamp. And you would send your boarding pass into the airline and the airline would process that and they would add your points to your you add your miles to your account. And then every month you would get a statement in the mail, just like a bank statement that would say, this is how many miles you have. That's how you would claim your miles. That's where that whole wording comes from. You claim your miles by sending in your board right. because that proves that you've taken the flight. That's your authentic yeah. proof of experience, right? So that was kind of how it started. And then it got a little bit easier where when the airlines, you know, had websites that kind of started maybe the end of the 90s, like around 2000, maybe you would go to the airline website, but not to buy a ticket. Like you still couldn't buy your airline ticket from the airline itself. You would have to buy your airline ticket from a travel agent or maybe from Expedia. Like you started being able to do it from Expedia. And again, like I don't want to age myself, but Many, many times I would buy tickets from Expedia online and they would have to mail me or FedEx me the ticket. Like there was no such thing as a digital ticket. Yeah, no, you, would, you absolutely had to have a physical ticket. So they would mail it to you. So, and that was many, many years where there was no such thing as a digital ticket. You had to actually had to have the physical ticket in order to get on the plane. But in those cases, you could take the ticket number and go to the website and like sign into the website and again, it's it's hard for people to understand, but signing into a website in the 90s, like there were maybe three websites that you could sign into. You could sign into to Amazon and you could sign into Google and a couple others, Yahoo maybe, but most websites weren't personalized for you. Most mm -hmm. websites were just websites, right? It's only really been the last 20 years or so, Web 2, when you would sign into a website and like it was personalized for you. And so that's really, it was maybe 20 years ago when you could sign into an airline's website and claim your miles online instead of having to do it through the mail. So like mm -hmm. 
that took years and years and years. And then it was probably maybe 10 years later or so. I mean, I guess probably around 2005, 2006, maybe 2008 was when you started buying your tickets directly from airlines. Like that was only 15 years ago. So what, from the time that they, you could first claim miles to the time when you were doing it with the airline automatically, that mm -hmm. was probably 10 years. So I don't think it's going to be 10 years, but it's going to be a few minutes, right? It's going to take a little bit of time for this all to adopt. And so we're kind of, I think we're moving at that speed. Okay. We talked to Jane Anson about this a while ago, probably last year in Bordeaux. And I think she was saying that she could imagine it's about five years before every big winery name is attaching digital course or NFTs to their investment grade collection. I think it's probably NFTs five to 10 attached. years. I think that's probably right. Yeah. Okay. But the one thing that's kind of interesting, and this is another little tidbit that I think is, it's a really sort of telling and really interesting, which is you and I both live in Europe. And in Europe, a mile, when people talk about miles, it is not a unit of distance. The unit of distance in Europe is a kilometer. A mile is almost exclusively a unit of airline loyalty. That's all mile means to anyone. It doesn't mean anything else. Yeah. It means I get a certain number of points. They don't even know what a mile is. Like most people in Europe, they, never, they don't learn what a mile is. They don't know what a mile is. They just know that when they take a flight, they get these things called miles. And those things are what gets them rewards and status and incentives with the airline. And so the biggest challenge for us is how can we do that same thing? How can we make sure that every single person in the world that loves wine, every wine lover, that they know that if you're opening a nice bottle of wine, you got to get your miles. I got to get my tasting tokens, right? I have to get my tasting token because as long as I claim that, that's going to, I don't know what's going to necessarily, I don't know exactly what it's going to get me, but it's going to get me something. And the more I right. collect, the more rewards I'm going to get from my favorite wineries. So like the idea is for us, A, to make it dead simple, super easy, take one second to do, you know, so that you don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, put your boarding pass in an envelope and lick a stamp in order to get it. <laughs> and then number yeah. two, we need to make it an unbelievable, great deal, a fantastic reward so that people, not only it's easy to do, but that they want to do it because they know that if they get those tasting tokens, that's going to earn them rewards in the future. So that kind of, you know, that's a technological problem, making it easy. But more than that, it's a messaging issue. How can we make sure that everybody knows about this? And that's really why we're moving slowly and deliberately focusing on wines that are kind of ready to drink, but then also mm -hmm. seeding wines that are going to be ready to drink in 20 years. In the future, do you see that being an industry-wide program? Like, is there going to be one dominant player? Is it, is it Devin who's going to be creating this reward system? Or do you think that everyone is going to have kind of their own, like it is with the airlines right now? I think they'll have their own. I think every winery will have their own. And that's really our plan is to try out everything, right? We're going to try mm -hmm. out tastings. We're going to try out barrel tastings. We're going to try out winemaker dinners harvest and events. virtual tastings and harvest events. We're going to try out you know, status. How do I get to Grand Cru status? And once I do, what does that mean? We're going to try out all of those things and the ones that work and the ones that stick, we're going to go to the wineries and say, you should do this. And the ones that don't work, we're going to not tell anybody about and kind of shove and sweep it under the rug. That's the plan. 
All right. Awesome. So if you guys are interested in more on the rewards system and loyalty program talk, then check out episode two of this series because we did a deep dive into all of that good stuff. But all right. Okay. So Dave, we're coming up to the hour and my glass is is pretty much empty. It's a great wine. This is the one you're always drinking when we do these. Okay. So should we, why don't we call it and let's have a whole episode on AI and maybe we can bring in a couple of people as guests. Yeah, let's do that. But first let's just talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up because we're going to be in Hamburg on May 10th. We are going to be doing a kind of like a masterclass. We're going to be on the blue stage at 6 p.m. If anyone's going to be at the OMR Festival in Hamburg, Dave and I are going to be presenting together with Dreisig Acker, which is an awesome German winery, who are also working with NFTs and have invited us to be a part of their stage. So definitely check that out if you're going to be there. We're going to be really traveling again now starting soon, Dave. We've got some plans to meet up with Real Vision in Mallorca right before that. Have we announced yet? Our second chapter. Have we spilled the beans on that yet? No, no, but let's do that in an episode. Let's have a whole episode okay. where we do it. And then let's bring right. on a special guest. I think you know who I'm talking about. I think I know who it is. Very good. And anybody still interested in, I mean, I'm sure all of our members are very interested in Bhutan. We are going to be doing our, what are we calling it, Dave? In July, we're doing our steering committee is going to be in Bhutan. The steering committee trip. Yeah. The steering committee trip. And we need to work on the steering uh, committee now. That's actually, it's really creeping up and we need to start telling people about it and we need to do it now. So I feel like we're behind on that. That's the thing. Maybe we can talk about that next week in Burgundy. Yeah. Maybe our next episode should be a hundred percent about Bhutan. We've got AI and we've got Bhutan, two very, very exciting topics. For Bhutan, we've got to make sure we have Michael and Anne on the call. They have founded the Bhutan Wine Company who we're doing our event with next year. So we'll definitely have to have them join us. Well, I'm sure we've got lots of news on that. And otherwise, guys, the only way right now to get into Club Divin, since our public sale is closed and our friends and family offering is over, that ended on March 31st. Right now, the only way to get into the club is by sipping your way in, which means that if you can get yourself a tasting token, if one of your friends pours you a glass of wine and mints you a tasting token, that token gets you through to the purchasing page in our app. So if you've got a tasting token, you can buy a membership. Uh, so it's a sip your way in program. <laughs> and uh, and we've still got our, our wait list going. So be sure to check out our website and sign yourself up for the wait list. If you can't find a friend who has a wine for you, who has a tasting token for you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining. And uh, yeah, this is cool. I'm in the office with Dave today. This is a rare occurrence. We're going to be heading out to Burgundy. Keep an eye on the Divin stories and the wine girl stories. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks guys. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Cheers.